So this is June 30th, 2012 in Kona, Hawaii. So I thought we would... Start. Yeah, go ahead. We're fine. By reading some verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam, the Bhagavat Purana, about how the whole cosmic manifestation comes into being. Basically, what we're looking at tonight. And how long do we have until? As long as we need. As long as we need. Give me, give me a time, an end time. Uh, we'll say 45 minutes, something like that. Okay. So how the whole cosmic manifestation has come into being and how our particular existence within material consciousness has come into being and then how to reverse that. How to go back to our original situation, our original source. So we're going to look first at the third canto of the Bhagavatam, chapter 26, text 32. Now in this third canto of the Bhagavatam, this is a conversation between Devahuti and her son Kapila. They are discussing the whole nature of material existence, what's called Sankhya philosophy, which literally means to count. So to understand the aspects of nature and of liberation from nature and ultimately of devotional love. So here we're talking about the creation. And Kapila Dev says, Tamasakcha vikurvanat bhagavad virya koditaha shabda matra mabhutasman nabastotram tu sabdagam. When egoism and ignorance is agitated by the sex energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the subtle element sound is manifested, and from sound come the ethereal sky and the sense of hearing. So we're going to read just a little bit from the commentary of Srila Prabhupada, my spiritual master, on this verse. He said, It is stated in the Vedanta Sutra that sound is the origin of all objects of material possession, and by that sound one can also dissolve this material existence. Anavritti Shabdat means liberation by sound. The entire material manifestation began from sound, and sound can also end material entanglement if it has a particular potency. The particular sound capable of doing this is the transcendental vibration, Hare Krishna. So there, Prabhupada is discussing the whole material creation. Now he goes on to say, our entanglement, speaking about us as individuals, in material affairs has begun from material sound. Now we must purify that sound in spiritual understanding. A little, a little later he says, from sound the ether became manifested and the air became manifested from ether. How the ethereal sky comes from sound, how the air comes from sky, how fire comes from air will be explained later on. We're going to jump ahead to the 11th canto, 11, 12, 17. Now here is where Krishna himself is giving instructions to Uddhava, and he's just explained many different types of spiritual realization and yoga. And Uddhava then asks, what, what should I do? 
You've given me so many different processes. What should I follow? And Krishna says something that appears to be quite enigmatic. He says, my dear Uddhava, the Supreme Lord gives life to every living being and is situated within the heart along with the life air and primal sound vibration. The Lord can be perceived in his subtle form within the heart by one's mind. Since the Lord controls the minds of everyone, the Supreme Lord also assumes a gross form as the various sounds of the Vedas, composed of short and long vowels and consonants of different intonations. So if you just ask, what should I do, and that was your answer, you might think, huh? So we have here a commentary of a great Acharya and Saint Vishnu Chakravati Thakur. And he says, Uddhava was bewildered and doubtful because Krishna explained many different processes, such as devotional service, speculative knowledge, renunciation, mystic yoga, austerities, pious duties, and so on. And then he explains why Krishna is saying that the essence of all understanding is sound. Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says, Krishna became manifest from the mouth of Brahma. Brahma is the first celestial being in the universe who actually engineers all of the creation of the planets and stars in the form of the Vedas. The word Viraha Prasuti in this verse also indicates that Krishna is manifest within the Arhadi chakra situated within the body of Brahma. The word Goshena means subtle sound and Guham Pravista also indicates that the Lord Krishna enters within this Arhara chakra. The Lord can further be perceived within other chakras, such as the Manipuraka chakra located around the navel and Visuddha chakra. So we're looking at two levels here of creation. First is the, the whole gross, large creation, the manifestation of material nature. And that goes from first sound. So of course, even in other scriptures such as the Bible, it starts off with the word. Right? At the beginning of everything was the word. Or God saying, let there be speaking. Some sound which brought everything into existence. So the Vedas also explained that the whole material creation, which is comprised of many, many universes, starts with sound. And I'm sure everybody knows what is that sound? What is that sound? Oh. So it starts from sound, and sound creates space. Now, we, we generally don't think of space as a thing. <laughs> but material space doesn't exist in the spiritual reality. And space comes from the sound. Then sound, then the space creates touch. From touch creates material nature, matter in gaseous form. Then from the gases come form. From form comes fire or radiant energy. From fire or radiant energy comes taste, so much comes liquids. From liquids comes smell, from smell comes solids. Therefore, solids, liquids, gases, radiant energy, and the space in which all of this take place, according to the Vedic sacred literatures, all comes from sound. Now, even according to modern science, solid matter is mostly space in which the molecules are moving. And whenever there's movement, there's going to be sound. 
So we can understand, the Vedas are explaining that everything that we are perceiving and interacting with in this material sphere is some level of sound. Now, in Srila Prabhupada's commentary on the 10th Canto of Bhagavatam in his book called The Krishna Book, he says the whole world is full of Krishna's singing. So this sound is a song, or sometimes it's described as flute music. So Krishna's singing or Krishna's flute music, which is then manifested all of the gross and subtle matter in the universe. Now, in each universe also, there is a being called Brahma, who takes this gross and subtle matter, solid liquids, gases, radiant energy and space, and creates the sun and the planets and the moon and the galaxies and so forth. So as described here in this 11th canto, how does he do this? He does this by Krishna entering into his Mula Chakra and gradually entering into the higher and higher chakras and then coming out of the mouth of Brahma as the sounds of the Vedas. Veda literally means knowledge and we generally think of the Vedas as referring to sacred literature. Then when these sounds come out of Brahma's mouth, they manifest as actual objects. So if I say microphone, it doesn't, that sound doesn't create a microphone. But when Brahma says something, when Brahma says Jupiter, then there it is. So that's on the individual universal scale, how sound is creating everything. So the Vishnu Purana says, with these sounds, Brahma creates the cosmos. By reciting the writ words of the Vedas in the beginning, Brahma creates the names and forms of the material elements, the rituals, the devas, and all other living entities. So that's on the great cosmic scale. But then, as Srila Prabhupada said in his purport to the third canto, there's also our individual scale. How did I get here? So in one sense, each of us is like a little Brahma creating our own little universe. We have our little house that we're in, or our room, or our car, and ultimately this particular body. The universe is considered to be the body of Brahma. So I have my own little universe. Well, how did I get here? I got here originally through sound. So being originally a spiritual being, If the spiritual being has some desire, some curiosity to experience material nature rather than spiritual nature. And of course, the perennial question is, why? And there's not really a particular answer for that. Just like I was just uh, traveling with my oldest grandson around the world, and at one point he did some research as to what were the most dangerous places to go. So there's a list, you know, the 10 most dangerous places, and the one at the top of the list, anyone, do you know the most dangerous place in the world to go? Earth. <laughs> I like that, that was great. <laughs> On the earth. Oh. In terms of crime. Anybody have any idea? Detroit. Oh. No. <laughs> Worse than that. Somalia. Yeah. So there's not been a registered tourist in Somalia for 14 years. So the only people who go there are like people for military purposes or aid purposes. And the only hotel in town, they give a warning that to travel from the airport to the hotel, we suggest you have 10 armed guards per person. <laughs> right? So my grandson is reading this description. He says, I'd really like to go to Somalia. <laughs> so 
That's not a, a logical conclusion. And he probably wouldn't really like to go. But we can have some curiosity and some interest even in things that are dangerous or harmful. Otherwise, why does anybody smoke? My apologies to any of you who smoke or have smoked. But why do people smoke? Curiosity. I wonder what it's like. Maybe I can do it and not get sick. Maybe I'll be able to just check it out. So we are able as free-willed, as eternally free-willed beings to say, hmm, I wonder what it would be like to be involved with matter instead of with spirit. What would that be like? Maybe I can control matter and have it do my will. So that's a sound. That's on the level of spiritual sound, that desire of the soul. Now that desire of the soul, that spiritual sound of the soul, it manifests a covering of material intelligence called buddhi, which also has a voice. But this voice of buddhi is called pasyantivak. The voice of the soul is called paravak. Para means, it can mean just other. But it generally is said to mean something that's transcendental, beyond. I mean, we even have that in France, a power amour the one you love that you're not supposed to love. It's somebody, someone above. So para in Sanskrit usually means something above. So paravak, vak means speech or sound. The speech above, that is the speech of the soul, the other. Then pasyanti, does anyone know what the Sanskrit word pasyanti means? To see. So the voice of intelligence is like, is like a vision. If you're going to start a business enterprise, what do you need first? A plan. A plan, a vision. <laughs> some people say money. I say, what use is money? We don't know what you want to do with it. I mean, some people just want money just sort of as a general thing, you know. From the 70s where they just it's, throw it around freely. Right, or they're into that Beatles song, just give me money. You know? I don't have any plan for it. But if you want to start a business enterprise, first you have a vision. So the voice of the intelligence, the voice of Buddhi, is this pasyantivak, it's this vision, a general vision. How do I want to control and manipulate matter? Then that generates another covering of the mind. And the voice of the mind is called madhyamavak. Madhyamav just means middle, the middle voice. So we're all very familiar with this madhyamavak. I'm sure we hear it pretty much all of our waking hours. What about this? And what, what about this? And do I want to get this? And maybe I should buy that. Maybe I shouldn't have bought that. And should I return that? And should I go here? And did that person say that? And maybe they really meant this. And should I tell this to this person? And what about this? And oh, that's interesting. Let me check this thing out. Yeah, sometimes we call it a, a monkey if you've ever been in a place where there's monkeys. How simple that? Yeah, I'm sorry. So, but we're not the mind, okay? We're not the mind. That's a covering. So, nor are we the booty, the intelligence. So we're covered by the booty. As soon as the paravak has this curiosity, this desire to experience matter, it gets covered. Just like if you want to go under the ocean, you have to get a covering. You have to get a, a special kind of suit. And if you want to go really far under the ocean, you have to be in the submersible. So if you want to try to enjoy matter, you have to be covered. Because enjoying matter is not our natural position. We're not designed to enjoy matter. We're in designed to enjoy spirit. It's not, it's not our environment. So as soon as the soul has this voice, I want to enjoy matter, what's it like? 
then you have to get this covering first of booty, but that's not enough. A vision isn't enough. You have to have plans. The mind is the plan maker. And if you know management or strategic planning, you know, first you have a vision, then you make a strategy. So the mind's always making strategy. Then you have to execute it. You have to have a vehicle to execute it. So that's the gross body. That's the blood and the bones and the flesh and the senses and so forth. And that also has a voice. It's called Vaikarivak. So that's the voice that we hear. We don't hear other people's mental voice. Unless you have some sort of psychic power. But most of us don't hear other people's mental voice. And we certainly don't hear other people's Pansyantivak. And the Paravak, we certainly don't hear. In fact, we don't even hear our own Paravak once we become covered. We hear our gross speech, we hear our mental speech, and maybe if we're really attuned, we hear our vision speech. And then we engage in material action, and we become entangled in karma, in action and reaction. I want to go on now to another verse here, the next verse in the 11th canto, text 18, continuing Krishna's answer to Uddhava. So first he said, the real answer to how to achieve yoga, how to achieve liberation, how to achieve love of God, is to know that the supreme truth, Krishna, is there in the sounds of the Vedas and is there in the heart. Now he says, when sticks of kindling wood are vigorously rubbed together, heat is produced by contact with air and a spark of fire appears. Once the fire is kindled, ghee is added, ghee is a kind of oil from milk, and the fire blazes. Similarly, I become manifest in the sound vibration of the Vedas. So we don't have much experience. I mean, even when I was in the Girl Scouts, I don't think I ever successfully, confessions here, created a fire with rubbing kindling. But, you know, before you could go to the store and buy matches or lighters or things like that, people used to create fire with friction. So what you had to do is you had to rub the sticks together until it produced a spark. And when it produced a spark, you had to add, add some kind of oil or something to make it actually flare. And then it was going to be going. If you stopped when there was a spark, it was going to, you weren't going to get anywhere. You had to add something to the spark. And before you get the spark, what do you get? Smoke. So when you're first rubbing, you're getting smoke. And when you're first rubbing, it's very hard work. Okay, you're going to be sweating. It's, it's, it's endeavor, it's work until the fire is actually blazing. So I'd like us to think about this process of material creation and reversing it as following a set of directions. So I think here on the island, because it's such a small island and the towns are so small, most people don't use a GPS here, right? Don't you guys know what it is? So on the mainland, on the mainland, most people are using GPSs. I mean, when I go to Europe also, it's pretty common. Pretty much everybody has one in their car. I remember when my parents, uh, who aren't with us anymore, I remember when my, uh, my parents got one when it was really new and you had to spend like $2,000 for one. You know, and they called theirs Rosie. You can set it for a male voice or a female voice. You know, so I set it for the female voice. And I remember being so intrigued when I would go in the car with them. Right turn ahead. <laughs> so you set the thing, especially when I visit my son in California and I want to go anyplace. He says, oh, mom, don't look at the maps, just set the GPS. Okay. 
So you're in the car and the thing tells you where to go. And then after you get to your destination and you want to go home, you've pre-programmed home in the thing. And it's even voice activated. And you can just say, you know, what would you like? And you say, navigation, home. And then it gives you reverse directions. So of course, we can do that also online. You go to these map programs online, right? And you put in your destination, and then you can push, push a button. Reverse directions. So that's exactly what's being given here. We've gotten into this situation by sound. The whole material creation is by sound. Now here we are. How do you reverse it? So that's what we're going to do now, looking at the process of reversing it. So when you reverse, you start where you ended. So we ended with the gross body, with the vaikarivag, the speech of, this, of the body, of the tongue and the lips, the vocal cords. So you start with that, and using that gross body, you create the sounds of spiritual desire. So when you do that, still the paravak, the pasentivak, the majimavak are still making sounds of material desire. But the vaikarivak, the gross body, you have it make sounds of spiritual desire. Now what happens after the vaikarivak is doing that for some time? And that's compared to this rubbing of the wood that's producing smoke. So we were having some discussion in the car, and I, I always wonder whether to inform people of this or not. But at that stage of spiritual practice, you may get a little spark here and there, but you're mostly going to get smoke, and it will be hard work. It will be nice work. It will be much nicer work than work to try to fulfill material desires, which gives you not much. <laughs> not much. Bills. Mostly, yeah, what? Pills. Pills, yeah. Pills. Pills. Huh? Bills. Bills. Yeah. yeah, it does do that, doesn't it? Yes. Bills, disappointments, frustrations, and a little few drops of satisfaction here and there as compared to a drop of water in the desert, you know, like when we crossed over the mountain. So there's nothing, there's nothing there. And if there, if you're thirsty, you're really out of luck. And if someone came with an eyedropper and gave you a drop of water on your tongue, so as the result of material desires. So at the stage simply of basically imitating spiritual sounds just on the level of Vaikari Vak, you'll get a little glimpse of spirituality here and there. And the process itself is very blissful, but you'll be producing smoke. And it's hard work. Sometimes people think, well, okay, immediately I'll enter into samadhi and nirvana. Maybe, but not usually. Usually it takes some work and some time and some effort. This is difficult in our modern society where we just, you know, turn the switch and there's the light. We don't go out and grow linseed and grind it into oil and put it in our oil lamps that were made at the blacksmith shop and make our wick out of the cotton that we grew and we carded and we spun to get light. So we tend to think, of course, 
instead of doing all those things, we go to our job and we work hard all day and etc. and we live in a polluted society and so forth. So we do our sacrifice in another form. But we don't have a conception of working hard to cook something or to grow something or to turn on the light. We have this idea of instant. You know, our gizmos are now, they don't even really turn off. They just go into standby so you can turn them on instantly. You know, two second wait for it to show up. I have this e-reader where I buy a book online and literally in three seconds it's on my, there it is in my hand. You know, I don't even have to walk to a store. So it's hard in our modern society. We also think, well, I should be able to get enlightenment like that also. I sit down, I say om one time, and there it is. I see I'm a spiritual being, and I see the ultimate reality, and I've transcended all my problems, and if after a month of chanting I'm not fully transcendental, well, I guess it doesn't work. I'll take it back for a refund. (laughs) Look at the return policy. So there is going to be some work and some smoke in the beginning. And the smoke in the beginning is that one will start to see one situation honestly. That will be a wonderful thing, but I will also warn you it will be a little shocking. It will be a little disconcerting. One will start to see one's real motives. One will start to see what's really driving one. One will start to see what's, what is the nature of one's material desires. As my guru said, the naked form of material desires. It, this has to happen. One has to see the reality behind the illusion in order to choose reality. There, there just isn't a shortcut through that, although it may happen very quickly depending on one's sincerity. So one is chanting at the level of Vaikarivak, making the sounds of spiritual desire. That's what kirtan is. Kirtan are the sounds that spiritually enlightened and liberated beings make naturally out of spontaneous love. You can think of it as something like if a couple has gotten to a really bad place where all they do is blame and defend and criticize each other and then they have to go to some marriage counselor who reteaches them the language of love that they had had spontaneously when they were first together. And at first it's very awkward and they really have, you know, they have to take 10 minutes before they are able to say, um, yeah, you do really nice things. <laughs> it's so hard. It gotten into this other mode. And it seems very artificial. So that's the level of Vaikarivak. Now what happens after saying spiritual sound on Vaikarivak repeatedly with practice repeatedly with practice. We could also explain this in terms of 12th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, but maybe another time. So by doing it repeatedly with practice, then the voice of the mind also starts to sing the words of spiritual desire. That's the idea, that it starts reversing it, that it starts to go from the mouth to the mind. So first one may be just singing with the mouth and the mind is going, oh, what about this, what about that, what about this, what about that. But eventually you want the mind to also be singing on the level of spiritual sound. Now sometimes people refer to this as really hearing. That you're really hearing what you're singing 
but it's an, it's internal singing. And when one is really fixed on this level, then spiritual vibrations are going on in the mind constantly. That doesn't mean you don't, can't drive a car anymore or you can't pick out a good pair of shoes. It doesn't mean you can't function. Just like we can function while we have some materialistic song going through our mind, right? We've all done that. <laughs> and advertisers are really good at engineering sounds that will stick in your mind. They make, you know, sticky jingles. So once the spiritual sound, sounds are sticking in the mind, that's the spark. So you may get a little few sparks here and there that kind of light and go off and light and go off, but once the mind is really singing, then you have a solid spark. So you don't stop the practice at that point, but at that point, the struggle is done. At the point that the mind is singing the sounds of spirit, then the struggle with material desires is basically over. It doesn't mean that we're finished, but the struggle is over. Does that make sense to everybody? Now, in, in material things, they say, I believe, I may be getting the number wrong, I can't remember if it's 10 or 13, I believe it's 10. They say it takes 10,000 hours of practice to become a master in anything. I mean, we used to say in education, it takes five years to become a master teacher. I mean, those are round figures. Maybe somebody takes, you know, 9,900 hours. Somebody else takes 12,000 hours. But the idea is that it takes some sort of repeated practice. Now, once you master something, that's not the end. <laughs> but you, the struggle is over. The feeling of it being artificial, the feeling of it being difficult, the feeling of, okay, I've got a plan to do this. That's done. It, start be, it starts being, again, at least to some extent, spontaneous and natural which it already is, but it starts feeling like that. Then when one is engaged in spiritual vibrations and within the mind, that starts to affect one's vision and one's desires. The covering of intelligence is the covering of desires, vision, what I want to achieve. And one's desires and vision starts to change. Now this is, now we're really at the real key. You know, there are many people who say that there's like a law of attraction or a law that we get what we desire. That's true. Uh, they often think all you have to kind of do is sort of like sit around and say, I desire, I desire, I desire. That's a little silly. You know, you can sit around and say, I desire to be a doctor. But you also have to go to medical school. You can't just sit on your couch. It's not that someone's going to walk in your door and hang, hand you a medical diploma. What may happen is you may get an opening to go to medical school. You may meet somebody who's going to help you with that and so forth and so on. But yes, it's described. Nitya nitya nam chaitanas chaitanya nam eko bahunam yo vidadati kama. Kama means desire. So there's one supreme living being who's fulfilling the desires of all other living beings. And everything we're getting is according to our desire. And you may say, well, I don't get a lot of what I want. Well, we will. Or you might say, what I have now is not what I want, but it was. We're just not necessarily particularly intelligent to know what to desire and how to desire. So once the mind is engaged in spiritual sound, it starts awakening 
the spiritual desire of the intelligence, of buddhi, this pasyanti vak. Now again, these are, these are not, I don't know if I've explained this so well, but these are not just boxed stages. One may experience some of higher stages at some point and lower stages. It's, it's very fluid. It's kind of like when you grow up. It's not like, well, one day you're a kid and one day you're an adult. It's not exactly like that. I mean, maybe to get a driver's license or vote or something. But in, in actual life, it really isn't like that. And you, you mature in different areas at different speeds and different times. And sometimes you mature in one way and then you kind of go back a little bit. Right? Or you're very mature in some way beyond how you are in other ways. So in spiritual awakening, it's also like that. So there may be glimpses of this pasyantivak. There may be times when the pasyantivak is awakened, even when one's generally on the vaikarivak platform. So on the level of pasyantivak, you're starting to really desire spiritual life, actual enlightenment, actual love of God. It's starting to be a genuine, deep desire. At which point you understand that your so-called spiritual desires before that were not very developed. They weren't, they weren't deep. So on the more mature platforms of this level of singing on, on the pasyantivak, on the intelligence platform, one will get what's called spiritual television. So just like there's television waves going through this room, but because we don't have any device to capture it, we're not seeing it. So there's visions of spiritual reality that are also here. And, as soon, and the heart is actually a proper medium to receive those spiritual visions. But it has to be turned on. It has to be plugged in. If it's not plugged in and turned on, we're not even aware that they're there. So on this level of pasyantivak, one starts experiencing within the heart the spiritual realm. And on the higher levels, one enters into that realm within the heart. One actually is participating in them. We have a, a very low-grade imitation of that with modern computer games, where you have some device where you can enter into a fantasy world or also with some movies, you know, especially now these big screen, IMAX, 3D, and you, you feel like you're entering into another world. So I see those as all the yearning to enter into the, the spiritual world within the heart. So when the pasyantivak, when the intelligence, when the vision is also engaged in spiritual sound, that spiritual sound then manifests that it has a form, because pasyanti is a vision. One there realizes that the sound, the spiritual sound and spiritual form are the same. There's no difference. Not like in this world, you know, where a cup and, and a cup are different things. The sound cup and the object cup. One sees the spiritual reality and on higher levels of that, one enters into that spiritual reality within the heart in one's original spiritual form. That then awakens our actual self, the paravak. And then again, the soul, instead of saying, I want to be the Lord of matter, I want to be the master of matter, I want to enjoy matter, starts to say, I want to enjoy spirit. I want to be in the position of a lover of spirit, a server, a giver, a lover of spirit. 
And at that point, one's original spiritual form manifests and one is engaged not just in the heart, but one is engaged actually in the spiritual world. Does that mean that one leaves this body, what we call death, maybe, but not necessarily. One can still stay in this body to uh, others' eyes uh, in ordinary terms, but one will not be here. So on the level of pasyantivak, one is here, but one's consciousness is elsewhere. On paravak, one is elsewhere, and one is still able to have some existence within this sphere. So that is reversing the process. On Pasyantivak, that is when one pours in the, the ghee, and on Paravak, the fire is blazing. Now we have a, a little warning. Some, uh, some hints and uh, ideas and instructions and a warning. We'll start with the warning. If one intentionally stays on just the external level when one is ready to move deeper, so we're not talking about a beginner. A beginner has to start on the external, external, look, external level by definition. Unless in previous lives you were very advanced and so you're not really a beginner in this life. But if you stay at the beginner level when you're able to advance, then Jiva Goswami, another great Acharya, says you're probably going to have five problems. One, you may become crooked or deceitful. Another, you may become faithless because you're doing a process but you're not really getting the result. You may start to become reattached to material things that you become detached from previously. You may become very slack in your practice. And what I think is the most interesting is you may take pride in external manifestations of spirituality rather than internal. You may, become, you may measure your own advancement and become proud of, well, I collected money to build a temple, kind of thing. I've engaged in so many rituals, in, in superficial external things. I think we've all seen this happen to people and perhaps we've seen it happen to ourselves. The other is a little hint that especially in the beginning when one is, is just engaged in spiritual sound on the external level, it's important to have the mood, if you want to speed things up, of detachment. So to have a mood that I want to become detached from material life. Detached from material life doesn't mean that you have to wander around in old torn clothes eating out of trash cans. Or just waiting for somebody to come up and give you a meal. I mean, there are saints who live like that, but that's not what we mean by detachment. What we mean is that you're no longer trying to be the enjoyer of matter. You're not trying to manipulate and control matter or other people or other living beings for your own personal enjoyment. So one should be detached from the desire to do that, or at least wanting to be detached from the desire to do that to speed up the process. If one is engaged externally with the idea that by my external engagement, in spiritual processes, I'm going to be a better master of illusion and a better master of matter, then the process will be quite slow. So again, we look at the whole material cosmos, how it comes into being step by step from sound, that everything material is ultimately a manifestation of spiritual sound. Our own engagement is also gradually from subtle to gross, a manifestation of spiritual sound, and we can reverse that by 
starting from the gross back to the subtle, engaging in spiritual sound. And that is, of course, the process of kirtan. In addition to kirtan, there's also, of course, private chanting on beads. And then there's also just talking about spirituality and philosophy and and thinking about it. Taking even our ordinary activities, which we'll talk about more tomorrow morning, but taking even our ordinary activities and reconnecting them with the spiritual. Because everything, gross and subtle, is originally a manifestation of spiritual sound. It is possible to use everything in such a way, not only within our own body, but everything around us, that it regains that original connection. So we have... That was 40 minutes. So we might want to have some discussion and some questions, or until what time? Well, we are going to be preparing the prashadam, and while we are preparing the prashadam, we can have a discussion. Okay, like 10, 15 minutes, something like that? Is that all right? Any, any discussions or questions? Yes? Did you actually tell us the Sanskrit word, um, or is there a Sanskrit word that means the sound of spiritual desire? Paravak is the is the voice of the soul, but the the sound of spiritual desire is Shabda Brahman. Shabda is sound, Brahman is spirit. So the sound of spirit. So Paravak is the sound of the soul? The sound of the soul, the voice of the soul. Vak means voice or speech. Para means again other, supreme. So when you're in material consciousness, spirit is called the other. No. Uh, well, paramatma generally refers to atma is the self. The paramatma is the super self. But the word param simply means other, greater, more, above. It can mean sometimes different. As, as someone who's practicing this for many years, isn't it... Uh, one of the goals in this is to link up with the Paramatma, that voice. Hmm, yes. That will happen naturally when you're when you're engaged, just like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, for those who have conquered the mind and are on the platform of intelligence, the super soul is already reached. So as soon as one is actually chanting on the platform of the intelligence, then one is in, ta- then one is in touch with the Paramatma. Because we're all mercy cases in this polluted age, it's very difficult to develop spiritual as, in, as opposed to other ages like the golden age. Oh, but yeah, but we get help at every step. It's not, I mean, getting help at every step. There's Krishna himself, and then there's many, many other beings who are very happy to help us. And even those who are hindering us, they're, they're really in, indirectly helping us. <laughs> I've had some of, my, some of my best gurus have been people who intended to hinder me. Carlos Castaneda calls those petty tyrants. Petty tyrants. Mm-hmm. I've, I've learned a lot from uh, difficult people. Sometimes they act as mirrors. And I say, oh, maybe I'm doing something like that. 
I think I'm going to change. But we have, well, there's many living beings who are helping us. Just like Srila Prabhupada often said that when there's kirtan, sometimes Brahma and Narada and other celestial beings are appearing, although we don't see them. So we have, we have many, many entities rooting for us and helping us. And as I say, even those who hinder us, uh, that can also be used. So yes, it's, it's difficult, especially in the beginning. I mean, I, I don't want to tell you that it's not. It is. Of course, in the very, very, very beginning, it's just exhilarating. You know, just like if, if you, you know, if you go to graduate school. So in the beginning, it's just, oh, I got accepted, you know. <laughs> yes. Mataji, so you were talking about um, advancing, like taking the next step. Mm. You know, and then if you don't, then please... We should always be moving forward. I really like I was just listening to a class of Rida Nanamarj in, in Los Angeles a little while ago. I was there. And uh, he was talking about that we have something called the Hare Krishna movement. And he says, in order for it to be moving, everybody in it also has to be moving. So we should always be moving. Just like, you know, we drove here today. So you want to keep the car moving. You know, just pull over and say, oh, what a nice piece of road. Let me stay here. I mean, there's rest areas too. That's okay. Rest areas and breaks and having picnics is part of the journey. But generally, you want to keep moving. How do you know when you're ready to take the next step? Generally, it happens. Sometimes you have to make some effort. Um, the place where you're in will no longer feel comfortable. You'll, you'll be pushed to do things that you might think are a little beyond you. I see when people are pushed to do things that it's because they're ready to do them. My own little visual imagery for this, I don't know if this will help you or not, but my own is that it's like when you're ready to take another, especially big step, but we should always be taking steps, we always be moving. But for the big step, I feel like it's Krishna over there going like this, come on, come on, come on. And if we're really scared or attached, I don't know, I like it here, it's kind of comfortable. He goes, oh, come on, you know, look, and he shows you, and he opens the door over there, and he shows you, he tries to induce you first. He always works on the, the... inducement first. And if you really don't want to go, then your seat starts getting hot. <laughs> and after a while it gets so hot, like, okay, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. So I, I'm trying to move before the seat gets hot. I'm trying to move when there's just a little whisper on the other side of the room. I'm trying to notice when there's a whisper and move as soon as there's a whisper. And not, not wait for the you know, the teacher to come and say, you've got to get in the next book now. You're ready for the next book. It's just a hard time understanding the warning because if somebody's reached a stage where they're ready to take the next step, what would hinder them from going forward? Because they've done all the sadhana and, you know, fear. tried to fear. get to fear, fear. fear of yeah. not unknown. Fear. 
Because to take the next step, what does taking the next step means? It means that you see material desires for what they are. You see both matter and spirit. I like to see both. And you know, we've been attached to matter for a long time. And we've justified our attachment to matter. Uh, I compare it to people who have, again, I hope I'm not offending anybody, but people who have very strange pets. So sometimes you read something in the newspaper, not as anybody read newspaper anymore anyway, on the news, that, you know, man killed by pet python. Right? Man killed by pet alligator, pet tiger, occasionally. Somebody's keeping some exotic pet that kills them. So our material desires are just like that. You know, here's, here's my pet python, nice python. <laughs> and what happens as you advance is you get, the, you get the clarity, and all of a sudden you see, oh my God, I have a pet python. <laughs> Your next step is to donate the python to a zoo. <laughs> so why do people not do that? Now, if you don't realize you've had a pet python, if you think it's just nice and sweet, and but once you see it for what it is, if you don't donate it to a zoo, it will eat you. So why don't people donate it to a zoo? They're afraid. Then they're attached. They're attached. Well, what are they attached to? They're attached to something that they think they're getting from this material desire. They're thinking, without my pet python, I'd be so lonely. I'd just be alone, and I wouldn't be special anymore. Everyone else just has a dog look. to me. I'll lose so many things and, and I'll suffer in so many ways. So if you want, if, if, if that fear prevents you from taking, the, it seems like it's going to be so hard. I've taken care of it so many years, you know, and seeing the truth has some pain in it. Okay, It does. Because you have to see, oh my God, I've been attached to a python all these years. And that means I'm a fool. <laughs> That's what you'll see. You really will see that. And it is not, I'll tell you, it's not pleasant and you may even cry. It really isn't pleasant. And then, you, then the mind says, if it's so hard to see the truth, just imagine how hard it's going to be to act on the truth. <laughs> It took you so long to see this truth and that was such a painful struggle. It was so many difficulties and looking at this truth is so painful. If you act on the truth, oh, it's going to hurt so much. And you go, no, 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 it's bad enough. Cover it up again. And that's why. But if you keep doing that, then you become crooked. You become faithless. You become attached to material things. And, you know, if, you're not, if you don't give up spiritual life altogether, you'll start defining spiritual life in terms of the externals. It's not a happy place to be. Now, the real truth is that seeing the truth has some pain in it and acting on the truth is only joyful. Only. There's no pain in acting on the truth. The only pain is seeing the truth without acting on it. It 
is very painful to see the truth and not act on it. That is, that's a fact. But acting on it is easy, fast, and joyful. And immediately, immediately you feel such relief. I got rid of that python. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and then the first thing you think is, why didn't I do that a long time ago? You know, and as you gradually get rid of your python and then your tiger, and then, you know, after a while you start enjoying the whole process. And like, wow, when is my house going to be free of all these wild animals that have been eating me the last, you know, so many years? But it's fear. It's fear of, oh, that I'll lose something, I'll lose something that I need, I'll lose something that's giving me some kind of pleasure. It's really interesting if you're spiritually counseling people and you'll see many times that it's like the light turns on and they say, wow, I'm just doing this because I'm selfish. I'm just doing this because I'm envious. Oh, and then sometimes they'll cry. I don't want to be like that anymore. And then just a little bit later, they'll say, but I need to be like that. Otherwise, I won't get along with my husband or something. Or otherwise, I won't want to go to work. It's quite interesting. I think of it like uh, curtains on a window and you kind of open it and you see light and you go... So take some courage. I suggest pray for courage. Or another analogy I can give you. I really like this one. So I remember how old I was. Probably about Tarani's age. Maybe 10 or so. So I had some uh, cousins who lived overseas and we went to go visit them. And near their house they had a swimming pool with a high dive. I notice now most pools don't have any diving boards anymore. We've now it, we've become so safety conscious. You practically can't live anymore. You know? We've been charged for just two hours. I know, I know. I mean, it's just their diving boards are gone. But anyway, this was another country in many, many, many years ago. So they had a super high dive. They had several levels, of, but one was really high. And my cousins were jumping off of it, and they were encouraging me. And I'm like, okay. So I climb up the ladder, and I got there, and I looked down and went. So I sat for a long time, I don't know, half an hour, an hour. I sat on the side, like, like on the side of the platform, watching other people jump. <coughs> and finally I decided, I'm like, okay, I'll just like, screw my courage. Do it. That was so much fun. <laughs> you know, they couldn't get me out of the pool. I was just going up and doing it again and again and again and again. And again. So something like that. You know, we're, we're kind of looking and, oh, that's going to be a long jump. <laughs> uh, but, but as one does it, then one finds that it's fun. It's a great adventure to let go of material attachments and find the real self. And you're like, give me more, give me more. <laughs> but people can get stuck in the beginning stages. Happens a lot. And if you find your progress in the beginning stage is very slow, then that's what's the, most likely that's the problem. There's some other things that can slow it down, like being mean to other people. That'll do it. Violence, emotional, verbal, physical violence really slows things down too. And that includes to animals and bugs, and not just people. It also includes the people you live with. <laughs> they count. 
<laughs> I had someone tell me the other day, well, the only person I'm mean to is my sister. <laughs> I said, well, she counts too. Is that right? Somebody else? Thank you very much. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um,